The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So it's uh, fairly common for people to connect generosity directly to the practices of liberation because to be generous is to relinquish our tight hold on things and to uh, be willing to kind of part with things, let things go. And, um, and the more free we are with our generosity, with giving, the more less we're holding on tight, generally, to things. And um, often generosity um, comes with... Uh, uh, needs to, sometimes people comes with um, exploring where we are held back, where we are, we're afraid to give, because, you know, if I give, I won't have anything for myself. If I give, people will take advantage of me. If I give, it will be misunderstood. There's a lot of kind of beliefs that go in. And so, so part of generosity is to explore where we're, where we're held and tight. Uh, it's very important to say that because uh, all these paramis are ideals. And people, some people will uh, beat themselves up around ideals because they don't live up to it. They're supposed to be this way. And as a practice, uh, what's important is not so much the ideals, but maybe what gets in the way of the ideals. And so... Uh, it's okay not to live up to the ideals if we're engaged in exploring what that's about and try to go into it more deeply. Um, it's interesting. Generosity is a very interesting thing. Um, as I said earlier, it's a foundation of, often offered, offered, often taught as a foundation of Buddhist practice, the starting point of Buddhist practice. Um, it, it, because generosity is generally understood to be uh, giving something to other people, um, it's, it's a relatively coarse act. It's a physical act as opposed to uh, looking at the subtleties of the mind or the heart that can happen in, um, in meditation practice, for example, which can be quite hard to go into the subtleties. But here we're talking about something, you know, um, you, know you bake extra cookies so you can give some to your neighbors. You know, that's not like, it doesn't take, you know, a degree in psychology in, in to understand yourself and the value of that. So generosity can be practiced in the ordinariness of a daily life. Um, and, uh, and then it's, it supports practice because it supports our practice by helping us explore the area where we're held and not free. And it supports the movement of freedom, of letting go, of letting, the giving things over to others. Um, but also it helps us explore our relationship to other people. And so how do we relate to other people? What's going on with us in relationship to other people? Um, it also provides um, a sense of satisfaction and joy. Um, at least that's what uh, you're encouraged to do with generosity, is that the, as you practice generosity more and more, you have in your memory bank, banks or in your cells um, uh, uh, a memory of having done good deeds in the world. So you can feel good about yourself. It's hard for some people to feel good about themselves. And then they wonder, how am I supposed to feel good about myself? And they sit on their couch wondering, how am I supposed to feel good about myself? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I should go to therapy and that'll help me feel good about myself. And, and, um, and the therapist says, oh, you're perfect just the way you are. And you go back, and you, you go back, <laughs> you know, you go back and sit on your couch. You know, and then now I feel good for a while, but, you know, but, you know, after a while sitting on the couch, the energy gets down and, you know, I need to feel better about myself. And I'm being a little bit, maybe not so right speech here, but 
but the, the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make a point um, that uh, you shouldn't just sit in your couch if you want to feel better. I mean, you could do that, but sometimes that helps. But what you want to do is to go and um, sometimes you start doing things. You know, practice generosity. I heard a wonderful story a couple of weeks ago about a, a spouse who came home and was feeling kind of miserable or bad or grumpy from the day. And the other spouse said, Basically, they sent him out. Go. <laughs> and uh, go, go and do something good for someone else. So he went out and did some, found someone to help do things for, a neighbor or something, and uh, he came back in a really good mood. <laughs> so there's a way in which generosity helps us m- make us happy, it's supportive, bring happiness and openness to us. It gives us a, a, rep- a memory of that we have done good things and oh, I'm not all bad. I have these good things. So all these things support generosity. But generosity also, um, part of the exploration of it is to explore what our relationship uh, to generosity is, what lessons we've learned about generosity um, and what are the conditions, what are the, the, the um, um, Ideas we associate with generosity, where the conditions we associate with it, understanding of it. And what I have in mind in saying that is that um, it's two things. One is that um, it's been pointed out that uh, in studies that uh, poor people tend to give more percentage of their salaries or their income to charity than rich people. Even though rich people give a lot more total but they, you know, they give less percentage of their salary. So there might be a lot of things to explore. Why? What's going on there? But that's an interesting, kind of just the surface, an interesting uh, statistic. And it's also pointed out that people, um, I've seen that uh, people in times of crisis, the sense that this is mine, I'm going to keep it to myself, tends to disappear quite quickly. I, was, uh, I looked on the web briefly this morning at the fire up in San Bruno, and one of the first things I saw was a shelter that they've set up for people and all the p- donations that were streaming in of water and blankets and food and all these things are piling up in this room. And, uh, and people are so willing, you know, then, oh, here, take, take, take. Where in other situations, they, you know, keep, keep, keep. And for me, I'm not going to share with people, you know, because everything's fine. And it's, sometimes the more fine things are, the more we're living our kind of ordinary whatever life is, and everything's okay in some kind of way, some people find they're actually less generous. But when they have less, when they're more challenging, like if you go backpacking with a group of people, uh, sometimes it's much easier to be generous. Here, I'll share this with everyone. As opposed to, you know, you wouldn't necessarily be so generous with sharing everything you have uh, in ordinary life. But backpacking, you're willing to share almost anything. Uh, when, uh, when I was traveling, hitchhiking around as a hippie, as a teenager, everything I had was everybody else's. It was really clear. And then I came back to live in Los Angeles, go to high school, and it was really jarring to me to go out with my friends, uh, you know, spend the day, kind of the evening with my friends going about. And, you know, if one of us, you know, if, I, if one of us didn't have enough money to, we were, you know, we'd go to like a hamburger place to get a hamburger or something. And, um, and it, it didn't occur to people to share their money, you know. Somebody, but when we were traveling as hippies, you know, hitchhiking around Europe, it's like everything here. So all our, we all, we everything, everything's shared equally. And it was quite jarring, the sense of, oh, aren't we here to share? And Why should we have it mine versus others? 
Um, so there's a lot to explore in generosity and how it works. The other thing I want to say about generosity is that um, it's, been, it's also been discovered, I guess in some research they've done, that uh, a much more a better condition that prompts people to be generous. A better, so you could, you could explain to people, like I'm doing now, why it's good to be generous, <laughs> why it's a good idea. <laughs> and, um, and all the rationales and reasons for being generous um, help a lot less, have a much a weaker condition for people to be generous than having empathy. If people have empathy, then they're much more likely to be generous. And maybe that's why in times of crisis or in certain kind of situations where people are together like uh, in certain ways, that they're much more likely to feel empathy, feel a sharing, feel a mutuality, feel like we're in it together um, than other situations. And some, some, some forms of American lifestyles don't, aren't so conducive to empathy. You know, live in our suburbs. I grew up in the suburbs in Los Angeles. It was like a ghost town because everyone had their um, entryway to their homes through their garages. And so they would the automatic door openers, the garage door would open, they'd drive in, close the garage, and then they'd go into their homes. And there was no, people was, was never on the street that I lived on. You know, so I never really got to know any of my neighbors except the people right next door. And um, so, you know, I had no empathy for people who lived two doors down because I didn't know them. <laughs> So the conditions for generosity, what supports it, how it works. Um, at the same time, as I said earlier, generosity is part and parcel of our society. And, uh, and it's really, uh, our society is really built on a foundation of generosity. Parents give to their kids, family give to each other. There's generosity for neighbors, to our community. I'm blown away now that I have young kids to see how much volunteerism there is uh, in the sports world in this country. These coaches who support my son and their teams, um, you know, they're doing it out f- uh, as their generosity, their support. A lot of time goes into being a Little League coach. <laughs> and, and I think about, and I see how many Little League teams there are and how many are across the country. Just in Little League or just in soccer, the amount of generosity and support that pours out to our society, you know, you, our society couldn't afford it. Stimulus package, you wouldn't be able to do it. You know, it's amount that people give themselves. Um, and um, there's a lot, you know, America, has a, America itself is sometimes said to be a very selfish cu- culture. At the same time, from another analysis, it's a very generous culture. American society, they, gi- they give to charities much more than most other countries in the world. Um, it's kind of foreign to Europe, many Europeans, you know, the idea of nonprofits and giving and supporting them in the same way we do here. Um, so each of you have been the recipient of generosity. Each of you have uh, uh, received things in your life. And in fact, it's likely that uh, who you've become today is a result of someone being generous to you. Some you, you and, uh, you know, that, uh, and to reflect a little bit on the acts of generosity that you've experienced through your life that have really been important in creating a foundation for who you are today, creating the possibilities of who you are today, creating the, the goodness or the whatever that's good in your life that exists today. What are those acts of generosity? Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, who did it? Rogers. What was his name? No, no, the other Rogers. Mr. Rogers. <laughs> Mr. Rogers was much more important than Carl Rogers. <coughs> 
and um, he was he was giving some kind of lifetime achievement award or something at the Academy Awards or the Oscars or something. So he got on stage there, and uh, he said, um, uh, he said, okay, okay, close your eyes for a minute, and think about who was most responsible for where you are today, acts of generosity, support, and um, and everyone got really quiet, which was apparently unusual for that environment. And not only that, but as I read the story, people started crying. Isn't that something? You know, in their beautiful gowns and suits. And that qu- Mr. Roger asking that question, who is it that brought you to the... You know, so my question for you is, uh, I don't expect tears, but maybe. <laughs> who, uh, uh, thinking back in your life, what acts of generosity have you been the recipient of that were really meaningful for you and kind of maybe even, maybe changed the direction of your life, created the foundation of your life, really uh, some of the goodness, good, good things that happened in your life, you really see as, as following in the wake of, of this acts of generosity. I mean, a simple thing, for example, would be if you, uh, new parents sometimes are shocked to realize, my parents did this for me? <laughs> what they're doing for their babies, you know? My parents did all this? I can't believe it. <clears throat> wow, that was quite something. Now I understand how much they, you know, for example. So that's the question. I'd like you to... Um, and... Um, and I'd like to I'd like to do it and have you guys discuss this in pairs. So find someone to pair up with. Hopefully, there's an even number. If we're an odd number here, then I'll, I'll uh, the one odd person, the volunteer person who volunteers to be odd. I will I will uh, connect them to a group of two, so the group of three. <clears throat> oh oh, so so we have two odd people. <laughs> and. Um, so uh, what I'd like you to do is to um, um, do this in the form of a repeating question. So the person who listens is going to ask the question, um, um, what have you received from others? That has been a foundation for your life. What have you received from others that's been a foundation for your life now? So what gifts have you received? What have you received from others that's been a foundation for your life now? Does that like, seem like an okay question? So the, 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 person who, and the person who listens asks that question. The person who answer, you're answering the question, but you're not answering the question for the purpose of the listener. You're answering the question, so this is very different than ordinary conversation. You're answering the question to help you explore this for yourself. Uh, you can even answer the question closing your eyes so you're not pulled into the world of the other person. The person's just a witness as you do this for yourself. You're listening to yourself and exploring. And what happens, uh, and so you'll say something, and maybe the more obvious things occur first. And then, um, and if you if you start telling a, a long story to explain it, the per, you know you, you know the end of the story. 
it's for your, you're, you're doing this for yourself. So kind of get to the end quickly. Abbreviate the story so you can help you to explore or tell a story in a way that helps you to understand it better. It's not for the sake of the other person you're telling the story. Um, <clears throat> and then to say what you're going to say and then when you finish, then the questioner, listener, says thank you. The thank you is a very important part of this exercise. And then asks the question again. And if you ask the question repeatedly, if you answer the, answer the question repeatedly, then the more obvious things kind of have been said after a few times. And then you begin kind of stretching and going into yourself more deeply and might be surprised by what comes up. New things, new areas. Does that make sense? Anybody, any questions about how this works? Yes. So you're saying one person asks the question, the other person responds, yeah. and asks the question back no, no, no. The, the, the questioner. So you're going to switch roles after a while, okay? So for the first period of time, one person's only the questioner, one person's only the responder. Okay. And so while you're the questioner, you just keep asking the question over and over again. Whenever there's a pause, if the person's finished, you say thank you, and then you ask the question again. The person responds again. It's like an interrogator. <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then I'll ring, a, I'll ring the bell after... I'm going to feel what's, how, what's going on. In the, I'll feel a little bit what's going on in the room. And so after about 10 or 12 minutes, I'll ring the bell. And then uh, I'll tell you to pause for a moment. Just breathe, close your eyes. And then I'll ring the bell again, and then you switch roles. <clears throat> Any other questions? Yes, please. We might need Kleenex. There's Kleenex floating around. <laughs> so um, okay. So why don't you uh, why don't you uh, do, do, uh, if you can pair up as quietly as you can? There's a tendency to talk a lot right away, but try to be kind of quiet. And then if the if there's one person who's left out, stand, uh, people who don't find a pair right away, stand so we can see who it is, so they can see each other until we're finally down to if there is need be one person who's left over for Inez.